0: This hour of the Brock and Salk Show is powered by Star Rentals, preferred supplier to the West's best contractors.
1: Get me a freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't
0: read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. And you are And Brook are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. fire! Well,
2: good morning. Happy Friday. Mike Lefko here with you. Don't worry, I got Justin. I got Mora. We have plenty of guests coming up here on a Friday. Uh, no Brock or no Salk today, but I am here, and it's going to be a good time. And you know what, guys? It was uh, it was very unsettling actually driving into work today because it was actually light out, and so I was oh, terrified. Like that for a little while. Well, I was terrified that I was late, even though I knew I wasn't. <laughs> when you're not used to doing that, and you're not used to coming in when it's actually daylight. I was like, certainly this can't be right. Like, It's not even even 6 a.m. yet. I feel like whenever I come in here and do this show, it is the dead of winter. It's been dark for 15 hours, and you just, you know, you're ready. You you embrace the kind of miserable, rainy, dreary darkness. But when you're driving in, and it's like 5.15 and it's sunny out... It's kind of a strange feeling. That's glorious. I didn't know what to really make of it. It yeah. makes
0: it really hard to go to bed at night when you have to get up at I'm 4 sure. in the morning. Yeah. It makes things a little bit tougher. I
2: was going to say, if you're trying to go to bed at 9 o'clock and it's still daylight out, I imagine that's kind of tough.
0: Man, you live across the street from a bar and it's loud and people yeah. are having fun outside. And you're like, oh, that wow, sounds so nice. I put my sleep mask on. What <laughs> about,
2: how would you guys feel if someone was playing pickleball at 5.15 in the morning, interrupting your sleep? Because when it's this light out, that might be what uh, some of us do. Take advantage of the day. Is how the, much would you hate that? I wouldn't bother. Wait a minute. Okay.
0: Are, you, are you saying that you live next to, or are there courts I don't, next to where So
2: there are people courts live? in neighborhoods, yeah. And sometimes people get out there at like 5.30 in the morning, especially on a day like this, full sunshine. Why not? It wouldn't bother me. But uh, it wakes everyone up and they get mad. So there you go. That's the, uh, the perks and the downside of it being sunny out. But yeah, a, a strange feeling coming in here, um, especially because the Mariners had a big win, which we weren't used to. So it was like, well, how do we all of a sudden reframe the discussion this about this happiness
0: team and fun that we yeah last night.
2: i mean i thought this was the show of complaining and uh and annoyance and aggravation because the mariners hadn't provided much reason to be happy to be fair so the fact that they get a 10 to 2 win over the yankees it was almost a comical like yeah of course and i know justin you kind of summed it up in a way that well i don't want to put words in your mouth how did how did you feel after that game
0: uh, I mean, of course, I'm never going to complain about a win, but I'm going to complain I'm going to complain about. it. Yeah, win. I was like, I thought you complained about this win. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I love it. It's it's great to see a lopsided score. You want to see a bunch of home runs. It's fun to see guys like Colton Wong. You know, maybe get a little bit of of relief from the struggle that they've been in. But it doesn't feel. It it felt like, like you're watching a, a game where a quarterback throws a ton of yards during garbage time, where it's like, okay, it's great that it still counts. I'll take it but I want to see a game where they show some resilience or some bounce back where the team that they're playing which is we've seen a lot scores in the first 2 3 innings and they fight back instead of roll over and die that was that's something I still haven't seen enough of yet for me to really want to to jump on like okay some things are clicking and falling in the right place am I going to complain about a win I I can't say I'm not no I'm not going to be that person but I want to see that kind of win more often than these lopsided 10 zeros because we've had a few of these this year.
2: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because the Mariners this year are 14 and 23 when their opponent scores first,
0: that could be 14 and 23, 14
2: and 23. Just if it's one run, no matter what happens, if the opponent scores first, the Mariners are 14 and 23 this Mm. season. And they're also right. Exactly. Like one run, two runs. Uh Oh, this game's over. That's kind of the feeling the Mariners have given you this year. So I do get that. I understand that. All right. 10 runs. That's great. In that one game alone, it feels good. It's a fun win to talk about. But over the long-term course of the season, and then trying to figure out the picture of the Mariners, we still don't know what this team is because that aspect, that clutch definition of who they were the past couple of seasons and why they made the playoffs last year, the close wins, the comeback wins, the games that it never felt like they were out of it, that really hasn't been there this season. So I do get what you're saying, that in a way... And it didn't have to be yesterday. But in a way, you do want to see a win or a couple of wins where they prove that they can rally, where they are resilient, where they aren't four and 28 when trailing after the sixth inning. That's a stat I keep coming back to because that's not the Mariners that we have gotten to know. And when Jerry Depoto, no, That's
0: when they would be at their best last year. Yes, chaos exactly.
2: Ball. Right. Yeah. Where's chaos ball? It's not here. It's more of just like, all right, roll out the baseball, not chaos ball. This is a linear ball. Not a a chaotic Mariners-defining ball. But what Jerry DePoto was mentioning to Salk about that and it coming together and about people not being able to foresee this, I think that's true if the expectation had been that the Mariners, in their core, their identity, had continued. But that's what's been missing this year. The clutchness, the ability to pester pitchers, to get to them, to rattle teams, to come back. Even small things like... The end of the Marlins series where the bases were loaded. Okay, well, that doesn't happen. It didn't pan out because it was a good catch. But things like that were different last year. Or the Angels series or the Rangers series, the one back here in Seattle in early May. All very close games. The Mariners only win one of those games. Last year, there were winning games like that in Texas. You know, they went down to Texas at the start of May and won two very close games. So they had to come back in the ninth inning. Both times one. They won in the ninth. They took the lead one. They tied it in the ninth and one in extras. And that hasn't been there at all this year. So can that continue? Perhaps can the Mariners put up all this offense? Yes. But for them to truly get it to click kind of what we've been saying, I think they have to find ways to win gritty, low scoring comeback wins or else it's just not going to be a team that has it fully clicked for them.
0: Yeah, and your pitching's giving it to you. They're keeping these games and these uh, scores low. Kirby gave you one of those outings together, and you just haven't been able to to dig it out. And Salk said it before, he called it the dead-ass team, where it feels like they don't have any of that fire. And I don't know if I agree with that as much because you can't grade things like it's hard for us to grade things like effort when we don't we're not in the clubhouse we're not in the dugout not seeing it but they don't look like they've rolled over and died they don't have that look on their face of like this game's over let's just get us out of here so I don't understand how that part hasn't been unlocked and there's not just one guy but baseball's contagious we just talked about that
2: and that's something that I do want to get back to that Jerry said in that interview that we heard yesterday we heard earlier today so here's kind of what we pulled out of that and then we'll kind of break this down but about maybe if it clicks it'll happen all at once and for everyone
1: don't know how and i've said this before on the airwaves I, I take full responsibility for putting this roster together this is the same team the same core of a team that 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 did the things that it did a year ago and frankly played a pretty good season in 2021 and you know, our pitching has generally stood up to, to expectations and and then some. It's a could we talk about park factors and weather in the early season? Sure. It's it's now the third week in June and we're still doing the same thing and and making the same mistakes. And at some point we have to we have to collectively get back on track. And and I don't think it's going to be one player at a time. I really don't. I think this is going to be one of those things that is contagious.
2: I think it has to be contagious at this point. We saw what happened yesterday. That was good. That was the good form of contagious. Unfortunately, we have seen the bad form of contagious plenty of times this season. Now, the double-digit strikeout games to the Mariners are 34. They have struck out double-digit times 34 games this year. The Lance Lynn one gloom, looms large there. The 18 strikeouts against the White Sox, 16 against Lance Lynn. But also they can string together hits. They've had eighteen games of double digit hits and they're twenty six and five without hitting teams. So if it does come together, things happen and things go well for the Mariners. Just that's missing aspect. That one indefinable thing. And it feels funny to say, yeah, they lack the clutch gene. Because how do you quantify that? But when you boil it down to the season and why they're under five hundred instead of maybe four or five games, you look at that number after the sixth inning when they just haven't come back this year and it feels like they don't have the clutch gene. And I don't know if that's an excuse because it seems weird in a sport so driven by analytics and data and when you can quantify everything to say you need a little clutch, you need a little luck, but that was happening for the Mariners last year and Jerry right there, when saying it wasn't foreseeable, I do agree if you were assuming that this core would sustain the clutchness that last year's core did. That hasn't been there. And so then maybe you have to go back and in retrospect say, well, what were we missing? What's the extra ingredient that maybe all these players numerically could produce the same way, but when it comes down to grinding out at bats, winning a situation, winning key leverage moments that isn't there this year, that was last year. So we'll see what, uh, what takes away from the Yankees series. Uh, The Orioles are probably going to throw out some, some low scoring games for you or some close games for you because they are good. But their starting pitching isn't great. The offense is good. The bullpen is good. We'll get into more of the nuances. The Orioles coming up at 830. But it's not like they're going to overwhelm you like the Rangers. So this is a team that you can play some close back and forth games with. And then it comes down to, all right, who brings in the clutch hit? Who has that clutch at bat late in the game? We'll see if that uh, finally clicks for the Mariners. But coming up, you have to know one thing about this Mariners team that they have a chance to do they haven't all season. That's up next. It's the Brock and Salk Show. Listen to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.
0: Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
2: Here's what you need
1: to know. Up first.
2: Great starting pitching and a balanced offensive attack, and it all came together for the Mariners last night in a 10 to 2 win over the Yankees.
1: Well, you got the greatest plan in the world, so you gotta go out and, like you said, execute it, but really go out and fight and compete from the first pitch, and that's why it's frustrating to me last night. I think we did it. We talked about it after the game, and we responded accordingly, and uh, it's in there, you know. We have the ability to do that, but you have to show up and compete every night.
2: Yeah, the Mariners jumped right out of the gate, four runs in the first inning. Just the second time this year, they've done that. They scored four on April 30th against the Blue Jays. Do so again last night. Now, the home runs also helped key the attack. Four of them, third time that they've done that this year. Also on April 30th, and then against April uh, on April 4th against the Angels in Ty France at his first road home run of the season.
1: Next pitch. Swing and a well-hit ball. Deep into the gap in left center field. Bader going back, looking up, and goodbye baseball. And to the Mariners' bullpen, Ty France with his seventh home run of the season. It gives the Mariners a 6-0 lead. Home runs by Colton Wong. And now Ty France here in the second. Holy smokes, yes indeed. What a start by the Mariners here in the Bronx. They're doing the bombing tonight.
2: But the series win against a team with a winning record has been challenging for the Mariners this year. They salvage a series against the Yankees. They have only beaten one American League team with a winning record this season. That's the Astros a couple of months ago. So a big opportunity awaits beginning with three tonight in Baltimore. Mariners roll out Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, and George Kirby. That is a heck of a trio. That's going to be an exciting series. Game one today at 4.05. Pre-game coverage begins right here on Seattle Sports at 3 o'clock here's the second
0: thing you need to know
2: well yesterday mlb unveiled the finalists at each position for the all-star game with phase two voting to pick each starter running monday through thursday the mariners aren't going to have any position player starters there were two finalists at each position group mariners did not have any of them fans will now vote on the starters it'll be unveiled at the end of the week all you need to know is that the Rangers and Blue Jays have a finalist at nearly every position. Now, it doesn't mean the Mariners won't have any all-stars because you still have uh, the fan last man in vote and you still have managers that pick all of the pitchers. So it seems pretty likely the Mariners will have... a. Uh, At least a pitcher or two. They will not have any position player starters, though. The top vote-getters in each league were automatically named All-Star Game starters. You'll see them out at T-Mobile in a couple of weeks. A couple of, well, less than two weeks almost at this point. It is creeping up very, very closely. All-Star Week just around the corner. So the top vote-getter at each position, Ronald Acuna Jr. for the National League and Shohei Otani in the American League. Acuna gets one of the outfield spots, while Otani will be the starting DH for the American League. Here's the third thing you need to know. And in the NBA last night, NBA draft had the consensus favorite, Victor Wembanyama going number one to the Spurs.
1: With the first pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs select Victor Wimbanyama from Nantar, France.
2: He is only 19 years old and is massive. I've seen heights listing him at anywhere from like 7'2 to 7'4, maybe even a 7'5 out there. He has to duck into any entryway or any place he goes into. It's just, it's something. Just all gangly, arms and legs. He can't throw a baseball very well, but that's okay. Did anyone you saw saw, that? You saw the first pitch. So he threw out the first pitch before the first game of this Mariners-Yankees series. And I imagine it's got to be difficult to kind of unfurl all those arms and throw a baseball. Probably not his uh, when your hand is natural motion. In the catcher's glove. Yeah, he should just released. reached out there. <laughs> he should have just Michael Jordan Space Jam that thing, where MJ stretches all the way and just plops the ball right. down into the hoop. I kind of expected that, but yeah. When Banyama goes number one overall to the Spurs, and then yesterday, this is exciting. The NBA also announced that Climate Pledge Arena will host another preseason game this year, October twelfth. The Rain City Showcase is back. It's the Clippers and the Jazz. After last season, when the Clippers and the Trailblazers played, that was a sold-out crowd that packed Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, it's a great place to watch basketball. Have you guys seen a basketball game there? It is a fantastic building for basketball. Obviously, very fun for hockey, You know, built for hockey, but like that it was also designed with the NBA in mind because there's that NBA locker room that sits down there ready to go. The sight lines are very good for basketball. They've had a number of basketball events already there in addition to the storm. You know, the NCAA women's basketball regionals were there. Uh, a couple of NCAA men's tournament rounds are coming soon, so I think I'm going you know, go to hold out. Maybe a building. storm
0: game, but I think I'm going to hold out for an NBA game until Seattle gets our own team.
2: I like that idea. Yeah. And I think there Punish will certainly... Myself be some interest. So the NBA keeps coming here in various forms, and it seems like it's only a matter of when and not if, but uh, that is somewhere down the line. A couple other things you need to know. Rob Manfred in an interview with Time says he regrets granting Astros players immunity during the investigation into their sign stealing scandal, and MLB kind of famously said, all right, no players will be punished, and no players were punished. None of them ever served any kind of suspension, but Rob Manfred said that he regrets that. in college baseball, college World Series semis, LSU hit a two-run walk-off homer in the bottom of the eleventh to knock off number one seed Wake Forest and advance to the championship series. They'll take on Florida, which begins on Saturday. LSU and Florida will rematch for the twenty seventeen title, where Florida won their first and only college baseball title. Can you believe that, Justin? You're a college baseball fan. That Florida's only won one national title
0: for being a powerhouse. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's the facilities odd. they have, the amount of the baseball talent, get, yeah, that the comes itself. out of. The state of Florida. Yep. It's just, uh, it's insane. And only one national title. But Have you have been, chance to, have to, you been to Omaha? No, I have not. And that's something like you, the holdout. So you're holding out for the NBA. You're not going to yeah. go to a basketball game at Climate Pledge. Um, I told the coaches I worked with at USF, the University of South Florida, that I would not go to Omaha until they made it. Even though I want to go. So now one of those coaches is the head coach at South Carolina. The other is still the head coach at USF. So whenever South Carolina or USF gets oh, there, I'll one. go to the College World Series. All but right. not until then. But it does seem like a fun environment. Are you rooting for Florida then? Nah. Nah. Can't do it? Nah. Go TCU. Yeah. But they lost, <laughs> they so I don't lost. know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe LSU. LSU I guess.
0: All right. Tough to root for LSU. They're just kind of an unlikable team. I know, I know you got your Burrow guy there. But. I know. And it's like, I. It was fun watching uh, uh, Bayou Barbie. Maybe she'll make an appearance or throw the first pitch as well. All
2: right, Something so yeah, I guess go LSU. That go begins LSU. on Saturday.
0: Yeah, well, we've talked a, we've
2: talked a lot of Mariners so far today, but we are going to change gears because we have wrangled this guy awake out of his slumber. Dave Wyman's going to join us, give us a training camp primer on the Seahawks. It's the Brock and Salk Show. You listen to Seattle Sports on seven ten and the Seattle Sports app.
1: This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10.
0: On Seattle Sports and the Seattle
2: Sports app. We have talked a lot of Mariners so far, and now uh, we're going to bring in a guy who was with Brock Hewer, but he still decided to show up today on a Friday morning. Dave Wyman. Thanks for hopping on this morning, Dave. Yeah,
1: good. I, I've had enough of Brock. Yeah, we, we spent four days together in the car and every kind of other mode of transportation. No, I love I love Brock. Brock's one of my favorite people, and I'm just honored to fill in for him.
2: Yes, you are filling in in his uh, football segment here. I do want to talk some Seahawks with you before we get into uh, Blue 88, which they do every morning. So we got to get your smarts here instead of Brock's. But as we, we take a look at this period, this, uh, this off time, this stretch where mini camp's done, training camp hasn't happened yet. And players have some time off, right? I mean, this is really the yeah. first and only time they aren't doing anything. First of all, how fearful are coaches
1: and oh. front offices during this time? Well, it just seems like every year, doesn't it? That this dead time oh, that man. they, something bad happens. And we talked this, uh, about this on our show. Um, Yesterday that, uh, that, you know, this, it seems like there's always like four or five, you know, whether a guy gets popped for PED or whatever or DUI and stuff like that. And so, yeah, the, the coaches and the, the management, they hate that. And, you know, what I was saying yesterday is that um, Mo Kelly is uh, their player personnel guy, and he just does an amazing job of letting all, you know, making sure everybody knows they're aware of the pitfalls. The other thing is, is you know, I think for a lot of the players, if you haven't signed a contract, you have nothing. So, I mean, until you come in and, and you know, get your get your physical out of the way, if something bad happens, like what happened with Malik McDowell. I mean, you you're not getting paid, and so yeah, it's a it's a very dangerous time, and and typically you know bad things. It could also be that uh, the media; it's a very downtime for us too, and so you're <laughs> searching true, yeah. for oh, this guy did this and that, and make a bigger deal out of it. But no, it's a it's it's a it's a rough time. What was uh
2: what was this period like for you? Do you remember that? Did you kind of stay around the facility? Did you try to work out on your own? I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Wouldn't younger guys be more prone to just kind of stay around the facility because yeah. it feels like they need to be there. They need to get the FaceTime
1: in. Especially now. I yeah. mean, you've been down to the VMAC now, Mike. I mean, it's like a five-star restaurant down there. Oh, that, I love eating there. Oh, well, you're all about the food. <laughs> but, yeah, my other people would be there to work out, but Mike would be there to eat. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's just they have everything down there. And, you know, I, I, you, you don't want to, you, know, you want to get some time away. But if you're sort of – once you get locked in for an NFL season – it's like uh, it, it's miserable. Like, you know, you, you know that like I got six, seven months of something that's that's really great and I love it. But it's also like I'm going to get locked in and I'm going to be really like a different person. So I don't know these days why you wouldn't. But, yeah, there I I think for me, I would try to, especially when I became a veteran, that I tried to stay away as long as possible because I knew it was going to be a, a grind. But I think it that's changed. And also, I think it's important, like we found this out with the Mariners, like uh, J.P. Crawford, he bought a house here and he's a resident. And so, you know, he's he's invested. And if you're here and the facility is like 10, 15, 20 minutes away, I don't know why you wouldn't spend pretty much all your time working out doing that. By the way, can we talk about the fact that you have now
2: started to make football analogies to baseball?
1: How about that? That's great. And you were here yeah, to see the birth of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually I'm comparing it the other way around. You're right. It's a, That was a great
2: point, though. I mean, it makes sense. If you're a young guy, you're trying to uh, build up your, your stock here, get familiar with the environment, with the system. Yeah, be around. Be uh, be there. We can get the finest facilities. Because I can't imagine. I know veterans, like, you know, big houses. Fancy workout rooms, trainers. Right. But if you're a guy fighting to make the roster, you might not even have access to the type of facilities and equipment and, and things that the Seahawks have there, right? Like Think about a, a second-year guy trying to make the roster, maybe on a rookie contract. I know you can find a trainer pretty much anywhere, but I feel like, yeah, the VMAC, like you were saying, you're probably going to get your best work there in the shadow of the Seahawks.
1: Well, and also you're monitored by them and, you know, their weight coaches, and you're going to get into their program. And, they, you know, they don't want you doing something kind of weird. A good example, since you brought that up, Mike, is Daryl Taylor. He came out of uh, Tennessee when they drafted him, and he had, like, a rod put in his leg, and they thought he was going to be okay. But then the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. and then they the the Seahawks never got their eyes on him you know they wanted to bring him in there and hey we you know back you off here and and he ended up missing a season because of that because he wasn't in the right hands and you know and i think more than anything it wasn't the the trainer or whoever was was training him or giving him treatment and stuff it was him it was like you know, sometimes you need to be backed off you need to save you know save people from themselves and i think he probably worked too hard he got you know tendinitis and then the whole thing went downhill so i mean they want to get their hands on you it's it's not like baseball where, oh, yeah, go to driveline and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, and they, that's no problem. They don't mind someone else coaching. But I think in football, the, it's, the culture is different. You know, it's like this is our program. This is what we're going to do. This is what we've had most success with. And so, you know, the longer you spend at the facility, the better.
2: Hey, as we get into training camp, it feels like it's completely different than training camp last year because the overarching dominant storyline was the quarterback battle. I mean, that's all yeah. we really talked about. We would look at all the reps. We would look at what does this mean? Oh, how many snaps did Gino get with the first team? Oh, did Drew Locke get some first team snaps? Now we know. I mean, Geno Smith enters this offseason. He's the unquestioned starter. He is there as the starting quarterback. How much do you think that changes things for him, for the entire Seahawks offense, that he enters training camp and he had been this entire offseason as the guy
1: at yeah. quarterback? I think it's huge, you know, and at this point last year, remember when we started doing mike the uh, the John Schneider interviews, mm-hmm. It was before March eighth and that 's when the trade happened with russell he's like, hey, up and you know at this point last year, we knew. Our guy was Russell, and that was it. So, But it's, yeah, and then at this point last year, um, you didn't know if it was going to be Drew Locke or, or Geno. And there, that was a legitimate race right there. They were really trying to find who was going to be the best. And now that Gino goes through, he's a pro bowler, highest completion percentage in the league, and he's coming back. And, you know, I know that guys like Michael Jackson were the talk of camp and everything, but Gino from from what i understand talking to john and you know listening to the coaches they thought he just looked far and away better than than last year because he has that confidence I, and I've mentioned this a few times on our show, Mike, that um, you know once you 're made the starter there's sort of a responsibility and an obligation, and that 's a good thing mm-hmm. you know like when i when I was named that, I was like okay now i 'm a starter, and there's a different standard, and I behave a different way, and it just it 's more secure it makes me you know i don 't want to be in some kind of a battle with another player because you're putting a lot of energy and focus on that rather than what you're, what you're doing. And now Gino's just entirely dialed in going into the season. So it's a huge advantage.
2: Okay. I'm asking you this in June, but this is the time to talk about things, right? Cause it's a dead time. And because uh, what else do we have to talk about? Like you said, nothing's going on. Yeah. So as we project what the Seahawks team could be taking the assumption that, you know, Gino makes this leap. Now second full season as a starter, all the pieces they have on offense, everything they're bringing in on defense, what do you think the expectations should be for this team?
1: Well, what they should be and what they are, are, to, I mean, or what people think they are. I mean, I think everybody assumes that, OK, they're going to take that next step and everything. I, the only the only reason I would say maybe not, you know, maybe don't expect that is that you're still dealing with a bunch of really young players, you know, and a lot of what do we have, like eight. Seven or eight contributors that were rookies last year. And though, you know, coming back the second year, I think those guys are going to be, you know, so much, so much better, but you still have a lot of rookies and they're, they're going to play rookies. I mean, that's the sort of trend. So that's, that's the one thing I think that could hold them back. The other thing is it's, you know, another uh, reference here, like the Mariners, you've got Texas Uh in your division and the Texas Rangers are killing it you got the the dreaded 49ers. You know, I thought the Cardinals and the the Rams sort of took a step back, but I, you know, the 49ers are still there looming with great coaching and you know, great management and a really good roster. So, you know, that's that's the one sad truth is that you have San Francisco in your division. And 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 then the other one, yeah. It's these are just my reasons of why you shouldn't be angry if they are, you know, they stumble a couple of times, but I do think the way the direction that this team's going right now, it feels like 2011, 12, where it's like you're getting guys like KJ Wright and Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor. You just don't know it yet. And so I think that's kind of where they are. But I don't know. Anytime you have Pete and John, and I was the only one I think at the station that, that uh, predicted that they, I think I, mine was nine and eight or something like that. Um, I was the only one that thought they would have a winning record. And it's because of John Schneider and Pete Carroll. I think that just that gives you that should automatically give you like two or three extra wins.
2: All right, well let's uh, keep the football conversation going with uh, Blue Eighty
1: Eight. This
2: is Brock and Saul's Blue Eighty Eight.
1: Blue Eighty Eight, Blue Eighty Eight.
0: We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs>
2: We got uh, Wyman filling in here for Brock. Uh, Dave, we got three football questions for you. We're going to rapid fire about training camp because training camp is coming up. We have this dead time here. But as we start here, question number one, which position battle for you will be the most intriguing during training camp?
1: Believe it or not, corner, just because um, they have so much talent there. It's so hard to play to get a good corner in uh, in the league. And, um, you know, it th- with the young guys, and also, you know, I probably wouldn't say this. I might say, like, center or some other position. Uh, I wouldn't have said that without what Michael Jackson did during camp, during the mini camps. He is just... I mean, they've thrown everything at that guy. I mean, he's he's had battles with Darius Slay in Detroit, who was a Pro Bowler, Stephon Gilmore in New England, and you know now he comes here, he battles back, finally gets to be a starter, and then they take the number five pick. And you know, a lot of players would tuck their tail or mope around, and he just is attacking it. So. What are you going to do there? I mean, there, you know Devin Witherspoon's going to start. Um Kobe Bryant, let's not forget about him and he was a really good nickel guy last year. And so, you know, where where does some, you know, where does uh, where does Michael Jackson fit in? It's almost like you just have I think you said it, Mike, an embarrassment of riches at corner and that's really hard to get that in the NFL. Yeah,
2: nice surplus of talent there. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating battle. I, I thought you might have said uh, center there, but certainly yeah. cornerback. There are a lot of options, and I know that you know quarterback doesn't jump out like it did last year, but cornerback uh, will certainly be a good one. All right, question number two. All right, Dave, which position group do you feel most confident right now heading into training camp?
1: Offensive tackle. Uh, I think you know with the Charles Cross uh, coming back, I, I just think that is that's huge. I mean, that guy was what was he the number ninth pick? Yes, I think, and uh, you know, and then on the other side. Um, why am I blanking on our guy? Ab- uh, Lucas? Abe Lucas, yeah, yeah Abraham Lucas. Uh, just uh, both played really well. Abe Lucas and I talked to our guy Ray, big Ray Roberts, who comes on with us. And there was a couple of times where I saw him do things, and I'm like, Ray, is that a thing? Is that something like we should really be like happy about? And he's like, Yeah, Abraham Lucas. Some of the things that he did were very advanced, you know. And it was just body movements and the way he was handling certain things. So. You know, and it's it's hard to get two really good tackles. It's kind of like, a, you know, and I always say there's three positions, you know, that you would just love. It's a luxury to have. But if you have one really good cover corner and then the quarterback has to throw it to the other side, that's that's awesome. Your kicker, you don't want to worry about your kicker. You don't even want to talk about them. And so I think they have that. But the other one is having, you know, one really good offensive tackle and, you know, the rest because... A lot. Of, I mean, how many teams? You have five offensive linemen. How many are like all five are solid and just awesome? Not usually not the case. And there's going to be a battle at at, uh, at guard and at center. So, uh, but the two tackles I think are going to be here for a very long time. So I think uh, you know that one. That's one that I think uh, I, I feel really good about. All right, number three. Okay, Dave, which group do you have the
2: most questions or are still kind of curious to see what they shape up to be during training camp?
1: The interior defensive line that's that's the one oh, yeah. I think everybody probably you know if you put out a, a questionnaire i'm sure that the uh, that the fans would probably say that because that I mean when they got gashed with the run last year, it was so bad and, and I always say this I, it's so different. It's so much worse if a team is just, if, if they're throwing a couple passes and, you know, a, a long bomb for a touchdown, but when you can go right down the field running the ball, it's just, it's, it humiliates you, it tires you out, it's, it's terrible. And so you don't want that, and that's what we saw a lot last year. And then, um, yeah, so the two, you know, some of it's the scheme, but a lot of it is who's going to be that inside guy. You know, so uh, they need a big war daddy in the middle there. We'll see how Dre Jones plays. I think he's going to be really good. And, uh, yeah, there's some there's some pretty good things to like, but I think it's the one where you're sort of like, eh, I hope this works out. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Dave, uh, thanks for waking up
2: early with us this morning. Brock, you know, was busy. He yeah. took the week off after the fishing. You come on. You yeah. grace us with your presence. But, yeah, appreciate you waking up with well, us today.
1: You can always count on a linebacker, but not so much a quarterback.
2: We're, I think we should clip that. We're gonna clip that news on the show. All right, thanks, Dave. Thanks, man. Wow, those are some uh, fighting That's words fired. right there. Now, the, big thanks to Wyman for for joining us. Of course, a defensive player is gonna gonna scoff at the uh, relative
0: toughness of the offensive skill players. He was telling me about one of the fish he caught. Said it had a, like a big like its like its nose was ripped off. And he's like, "That's the linebacker fish." I can't, <laughs> I can't remember what he called it. But he's really really stoked on that that he caught that fish.
2: By the way. <laughs> Where, where are all the fish? Where, the, where are yeah. their spoils? If they're going to go away for a week,
0: if Brock is going to leave this show for a week to go fishing, where yeah. is the fish? I expected that. I mean, that is the question. go, we're still waiting on passing time. We got a lot of, a lot of requests from Brock. I know. Brock.
2: We have a lot of food and wine that we need, and I'm all about food. <laughs> and I think you guys know that. Everyone knows that. So I we came do. in here this morning expecting there to be a huge array of linebacker fish and other fish and everything that was, that was caught by those what two. What do
1: you think a linebacker fish uh, would be compared to a quarterback fish? I don't know, Justin. I feel like That's you really know your fish. Question. Would a trout be it, like about a?
0: About that. Would a trout be a well, quarterback fish? It would also depend on where we're fishing, because there's nah. a lot of different, you know, places of that mm-hmm. would probably fit these categories better. So you'd have to narrow it down geographically for that. I mean, the texters part. might know. So, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely. Mack and Jack's test. text line. What would be the linebacker?
2: 866-979-3776. <laughs> this is what we rely on the texters and our loyal listeners for. What fish would be a quarterback fish, and what fish would be a linebacker fish? <laughs> so that's what we need you to come in and, and help us out with here on the Mac and Jacks I just text know
1: line. That they went with Tom Nelson from the Outdoor Network, and usually after these trips, sometimes we get some like smoked salmon yeah. and bagels. That's yep. incredible. So I'll at least cross my fingers for that. If David Brock didn't, yeah, we got to
0: give that him some fish. time to smoke the fish. I think that's that's fair. You're right, Mora. All right. Well, if Brock out. doesn't drop off
2: any, and if Wyman doesn't come back with some, then I'm going to be highly disappointed. But yeah, uh, thanks to Wyman for filling in on Blue 88. There, I still want to know. So we'll continue to throw that out there what is the the quarterback
0: fish and that might <laughs> be linebacker. a might be a good or a bad thing what's the uh, offensive line I All mean, right, well we got going. a
1: couple of linebacker nominations here 509 says linebacker equals rockfish mean and nasty looking
0: oh sure uh- maybe that's what dave was trying to explain but he couldn't explain it. what did he say his nose busted in no, I can't, he might have told me he said he caught some ling cod he caught a bunch of fish but he said the one that he caught uh, specifically, had some damage done to it. It's like, oh, that's the linebacker. So it's not just the
2: linebacker; it's a Wyman <laughs> fish. The Wyman had, damma- had Had some, some damage,
0: that, damage done to it.
1: He suffered in his career.
0: Five hundred nine. Come on, guys. The quarterback fish is clearly the goldfish. Oh, <laughs> yeah, probably could be. Yeah, that's could funny. be linebacker hmm. for carp. I can see that too.
2: Linebacker. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, we good got some one. good ones. Okay. Uh, this is this is why the you know, shows are oh, great.
1: Quarterback catch and release steelhead.
2: Mm-hmm. Linebackers is a him. Yeah, link ugly fish. I think some of the best texts we get are not sports related, or they're oh, along yeah. the vein of this, where we throw out this comparison of yeah, who on the team would be a fish or something like that. But yeah, oh. if you want to expand, I mean, we just asked uh, quarterback and, and linebacker because of Wyman and because of Brock. But hey, if you have a comparison, go for it. Is there a receiver just fish? Just
0: pulled up the, Lincoln. the Lincoln. That is uh, ugly. Man, that's an ugly fish.
2: <sighs> uh oh, used to serve that at Anthony's now. And, and, and that's up. the I'm linebacker fish? Yeah, or no, that's, a, that's the quarterback one. Oh, that's the linebacker. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Uh, we had
0: sturgeon in the river. What other what other
2: position would be a good fish thing? Oh, kicker maybe no because I feel like running back is too similar to linebacker. Just you know, physical bruising Mm -hmm. kind of fish. Ooh, we need like a what is the offensive lineman fish?
0: Like a big old (laughs) sea bass. I don't know pretty good yeah Yeah, something that yeah i was gonna say sturgeon for that too we did get uh a few people wow this sorry things are taking off quarterback barracuda uh wyman cotton kept the pacific cod (laughs) somebody must have talked about that nobody keeps cod. it's like bait ling cod (laughs) for the linebacker fish uh defensive tackle be a sturgeon i like that jared and sumner says so, but yeah, we've 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 opened up a whole can of worms.
2: Yeah. So while we get the answers rolling in there and we appreciate all the ones coming in now, eight, six, six, nine, seven, nine, three, seven, seven, six in the Mac and Jack's text line. Uh, there was some more NFL news happening. And I say news in a way of, OK, it's news because we're at the end of June and nothing actually football is happening on the field for another month. So you get things like this, where one person says something, someone else hears about it, they get asked about what that person said, and then uh, a war of words escalates. And this is going to personally enrage Justin, so I have to get you settled in here. It involves the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, of course, yeah. And the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. A heated rivalry in the NFL now. Yes. Um, Kind of like the uh, linebacker-quarterback fish debate, but... This was, uh, first of all, Jamar Chase. They were talking to him, uh, I think, at minicamp, and he said this uh, about Joe Burrow. Asked about the number one player in the NFL. With very little hesitation, you he said, Joe Burrow. Everybody knows
1: that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. MVP. He said Pat. Who said Pat? Joe. Pat who? <laughs> <laughs> I love Ooh. that. Love that.
0: Out of you know, Jamar. And, and, and
2: nothing's wrong with that. With Jamar Chase saying Joe Burrow's no, best player guy. in the NFL, it's his guy, it's his quarterback. He honestly might be one of the top two or three players in the NFL. Should have been on the cover of Madden, but, but he uh, was the Pat who that really Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Mahomes tweeted at him.
2: I know. The, I think, I mean, and that's funny. And clearly, I don't think he's serious. But then.
1: <laughs>
0: well, to be fair, his name was Patrick. So I can see him being like, <laughs> Pat who? Like, it's fair, you know. Semantics. But then Justin's
2: favorite player. And the man whose jersey he's soon to get, Travis Kelsey, took to it personally on the podcast he he does with his brother. So it's actually a good podcast. It's very entertaining. They're two insightful football minds, and they have a good back-and-forth banter because, you know, the brother dynamic, it's great. And they've had some good guests on. But he took it to the next level here, and Travis Kelsey, not a fan of Jamar Chase saying, Pat who?
1: It is what it is, dog. Who doesn't love some good locker room banter, man? Shout out to Jamar Chase for, you know, Holding it down for his QB, but don't you ever disrespect Pat Mahomes? Now, if you want to talk your shit talk your shit. pimp. Just better back it up.
0: <laughs> okay, by being the best wide receiver in the league, sure, he'll back it up. Just get out of here, Travis uh, Kelsey. I don't, Justin, Justin would love yeah, this. Yeah, I know this will get him riled up. Justin we started fine, was kind like, of yeah, mellow. Sure he's sticking up for he his was guy. like, all right, he's like, wait, what? He just if, takes every possible opportunity he can. I mean, and I get that if Salk were here right now, he'd be like, he's you. He's a look at me guy. He's the guy that would bring the giant fake check to Vegas. <laughs> to which I would say, yes, Travis Kelsey's probably very fun to hang out and party with. That doesn't mean I have to like his caricature of who he decides he wants to be any given day because he's a chameleon. <laughs> well, is this only he- because
2: he plays for the Chiefs? Let's be honest. I yeah. mean, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Then maybe there's some part of that.
1: I just, I just love, Dustin rarely gets this upset about anything. <laughs> I love bringing up Travis Kelsey. No, it's Justin. because
0: we just had this conversation. G-Scott just right, walked in the into studio. Back there. We had this conversation where I was like, Travis Kelsey is the guy, and everyone knows this guy, who goes to a bar or a club, definitely wants to show off some something, whether it's money, who he's with, what he's dressed as, what he dro- or drove up in, something. Then... Goes a little bit too crazy in the night with the people that he's with, and then somebody gets offended. Somebody, somebody heard something that that they didn't like, and then the bouncers and security finally has to come over and be like, "Hey, man, we can't have this. We got you. Got you. Got to calm it down." Hmm. And then he gets louder and worse and worse and worse, to eventually the point where they're like, "Okay, dude, we we warned you. At strike three. You got to go." So they kick him out. Five minutes later, he comes back to the bar to argue with the bouncer that just kicked him out. That's Travis Kelsey. He's the WWE guy. That's just his character, and that's something he's decided he wants to be because it's definitely not (laughs) – it's not, in my mind, that's not who he was. It's not an authentic thing. That's not a, I just can't stand it. Bora knows how to push your buttons.
2: Dude, wow. Just, so Justin weird. is fired He's up. Meanwhile, favorite. meanwhile, the text line has broken. We have gotten hundreds of texts right now with the fish. <laughs> I know. a popular yeah. question. It's just, who knew that uh, this
0: would be the thing that galvanizes <laughs> fish, all of our listeners? The fish off-
1: on here that I've never heard of before.
0: The offensive line. Uh, somebody texted in, this is the Goliath grouper. Goliath grouper. Yes. And to Google it. It looks like a Volkswagen Beetle. That with <laughs> I things. need to start
2: googling some of these fish when we get to the break. Uh, we got a couple. We got a couple of kickers being guppies. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, salmon
0: uh, quarterbacks are salmon. A lot overrated. of overrated, overpriced. Yeah, blobfish, cooperfish, fish, blowfish, uh,
2: and then clownfish has been used to refer to a number of different people. One said uh, the quarterback in Arizona. A couple of people said Roger Goodell. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. Yeah, could be good. Um, yeah. I love the variety of fish we're getting in here. What this is really doing is making me hungry. Like I'm starving now Naturally. after seeing all these halibut, what that does sturgeon, you, you trout. Up, uh, oof. What
0: was it, that grouper? That yeah, the Goliath. In? If you look that up, you won't be hungry anymore. Okay.
2: Uh, all right. I will look that up during the break. Uh, we will continue to try to get Justin personally irritated with more Travis Kelsey talk. But we also are going to do something that I think will uh, annoy both of us, Justin, because Mora just wants to instigate back there. We're going to play out what? some scenarios. Mora has made a fun game, but I don't. I don't like one of the questions you have put here. So... We'll get to that. You will offend me. It's okay. We'll, we'll roll on. We'll have some fun with a couple of Seahawks and Mariners scenarios for the rest of the Mariners season, for the upcoming Seahawks season. And then uh, coming up at 8.30, we're going to hear from a Orioles beat writer, preview the start of this Mariners-Orioles series. Stacey Ross will also hop in at 9, and then uh, we've got a pretty good show the rest of the way. So stay tuned here. Plenty more coming up. Rock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports App.